Hello, welcome to Sea Hanks of the Memories. I'm your host, Darren, and today we are discussing the final of the Golden 14. This is where Tom Hanks' career probably peaked, and uh, it's been swinging some roundabouts since then. Uh, we are talking about Catch Me If You Can. It was released on the 25th of December 2002. We can discuss whether or not this is, as they say, a Christmas film. Uh, it made 300 million past its budget, so huge profit, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I think Tom has only managed to get back in that level with a couple of Toy Stories since this. Uh, 89% from the audience, 8.1 on IMDb. Um, Chris Walken got a, uh, a nomination for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars. Uh, Tom isn't getting second billing uh, for the first time, I think, since Dragnet. Um, he is sharing, He's second to Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, this is effectively a Leonardo DiCaprio film that Tom Hanks he kind of enters into at the start, and then reappears 41 minutes in. Um, oh, really? Yeah. That yeah. far? <laughs> <laughs> and joining me to talk about today, uh, you've just heard him, it is, that is Luke Allen. Hello, Luke. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, was, I, I, I didn't wait for my intro, I was just shocked, because um, it does not feel like that long. Um, and also joining us, hello. <laughs> Ollie Brady. Hello, Ollie. How are you doing, Darren? Uh, Darren, this is my first uh, Tom Hanks movie. Um, because I'm actually from a podcast called the DiCaprio Recap Yo, where we're going through all of the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movies. So this is the first time I've come across this Thomas Hanks, and uh, and I've got to say he's really good at playing like an antagonist. I can't ever really see him like branching out into being like a good guy. Like, has he ever played good guys or like uh, every man in movies or anything? Because he's a real piece of crap. Like. So I'm I'm all for I'm all for this guy. Like has he has he done anything else? You were saying this was the peak of his career playing yeah, second fiddle nothing, to Leo. Nothing, so. nothing really notable since two thousand two, I would say. Uh he's been in a couple of kids' films, one of which I will discuss in about two episodes time. Is he in um, you were saying he's in Toy Toy Story? Yeah, just a small role, something in the background. You wouldn't really notice him, to be honest. So, so his two peak roles are playing second fiddle to Leonardo DiCaprio and Tim Allen. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, and also, of course, Dragnet, just, where he played second fiddle to uh, Dan Aykroyd. To Dan Aykroyd, yeah. I mean, in truth, just, that just was in, a Dan Aykroyd film, to be honest with you. In, in terms of your, your DiCaprio, it just kind of reminded me. So I've uh, this. This sounds like I'm setting up for a plug. I might, I might plug. Who knows? But I've um, I'm an associate producer on a TV pilot at the moment, um, and we've we're casting uh, for one of our leads. And um, part part of the process is a in character interview. Um, so they do the scenes, and then we just ask them questions, and they respond how they think their character would respond. And for the first part, all these all these actresses were playing a role, and and two out of the I think seven we auditioned that day said that to the answer, "Who is your biggest hero?" Beyonce. There was nothing in the text to say Beyonce, but two people said it, and we were like, "That's a weird coincidence." So then we went to do the male auditions, and DiCaprio came up twice, and it's like I don't know why these things keep getting repeated. It's weird, but you just reminded me, and so everyone should go to Indiegogo and donate towards our crowdfunder uh, for this TV pilot. Um, I can't remember what the crowdfunder is. So, uh, care home TV pilot. I don't know. Go to rockinghorsemedia.co.uk. Was there something in their character descriptions that would make you think DiCaprio would be? No, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it's so odd. Um, I don't think either of them got the part. I might be wrong. Darren, Sorry if I'm wrong. Who's your hero um, other than Prince? 
Well, I mean, Prince, that's it. I mean, that's the only person's house I've visited. And, and in an indirect way, because I started podcasting, I ended up at Prince's house. All right, sorry, I thought you could say an indirect way because I started podcasting uh, Sarah Koenig, who invented podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, of the people in this film that are notable, it's worth mentioning that Mary Zofris uh, did the costume design um, and she was nominated uh, for both the BAFTA and the Oscar. Uh, she is best known for working with the Coen brothers from Fargo onwards. She's basically been their, their standard costume designer. And this Fantastic. is the first time that she worked with Steven Spielberg. Then she also worked with him on The Terminal and Indiana Jones. And then she started working with Chris Nolan as well. So um, makes a change from where she started out, which was working with the Farrelly brothers on Dumb and Dumber. So uh, she... Catch Me If You Can and The Terminal have always been together in my head. And I don't know why. Other than Tom Hanks, obviously. but like And Steven Spielberg. I, whatever They're I think obviously, of one, I think of the other. And Steven you know, Spielberg. Yeah. And John Williams. And Michael Kahn. Okay, and... I don't feel too stupid now. <laughs> and they're both on TV at Christmas a lot. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'm not. And is, is this Tom Hanks uh, fellow but... in uh, The Terminal? Yeah, you know, Terminal, that hit movie with Margot Robbie, Simon Pegg and Mike Myers from 2018. Oh, I must check it out. I don't know. I don't know why there's also a film called Terminal as well as The Terminal. It's a little annoying. but Yes. I mean, uh, once I get to The Terminal, I will talk about where Tom Hanks got that voice because the answer is his father-in-law um, and apparently his father-in-law watched the film and didn't realize that Tom Hanks did an impression of him for like two hours. And then afterwards <laughs> Rita Wilson was like, he was doing an impression of you dad. And his, he was like, nah, that's not what I sound like. Uh, but apparently it's extremely close to what he sounds like. So, uh, but we'll leave that for the terminal episode. Uh, when, when, when you talk about people, so when you talk about people who are notable in this film, I we'll get onto it. But Amy Adams, right? Yes. She just seems to have... T- to me, there are like only a few act- actors and actresses like her. In the fact, I'd put her and Donald Gleeson on the same sort of thing that you you have about half a second of, oh, it's that person from that other thing, and then you're instantly just watching the character. It's insane. Like I think it's... I, I, she, she's made it fairly far in terms of a a household name, but I don't think she's quite there because you... You you just see the characters. You don't see the actress, if that makes sense. I mean, she's a Disney princess. Um, I don't know what else she could... Uh, well, yes, yeah. What else she could do. The infamous um, Italian actor, Amy Adams. Um, <laughs> she was born in Italy. I don't know what I can say. Um, she's, <laughs> but that's like, that's like I, Mel Gibson, I, the American actor. How, yeah, the New Yorker. Many Mel Gibson. People, however many people like didn't seem to like this movie, um, she was... I thought she was... Really who did? Who didn't like this? Hansen. It got it got ninety six. No, not this movie. I meant <laughs> no. I meant I meant the, I meant Dear Evan Hansen. I thought she was really good in Dear Evan Hansen, despite the fact that critics did or general I don't, people I like didn't Dear like Evan Dear Evan Hansen. Hansen and I, I like the movie. The movie. I, I think yeah. it's a good movie. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was great. I I loved you it. You get it was, over the was, fact that they've. I was going to say they've miscast. They've wrongly cast. He's not miscast. He's wrongly cast. Uh, the main guy. Um, just because he's too yeah. old and he doesn't look like a teen. Like, we know that, yes, they have cast older people as teens in the past. He doesn't look like a teen, so you can see why people react. No, but, but I, I, I expected I, I expected that to hinder the film, but after the first song, I was just like, Yeah, okay, all the performances sure, are, are good. And then I was watching it. Well, Julianne Moore was fantastic with um, So Big, So Small. I, I was going to bring this up because in this film, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio obviously is 28 years old. 
as is Amy Adams. They're both born the same year. And in it, they're... DiCaprio with with a woman the same age. I know. Um, and in it, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is playing um, a character from age 16 through to like age 21. Um, and that is exactly seven years younger than he actually is in, for the entire film. And the same is true of Amy Adams. She's playing like someone who's meant to be like in her early 20s, but she's actually uh 28 but i do love that they kind of hang a lantern on that when he gets you know mistaken for a substitute teacher and you get like when he walks in through you're like yeah he does look like a substitute teacher yeah but also simultaneously he looks like a teenager like i wasn't at any point denying his age he, uh, but he seemed the perfect casting for that line yeah because he can two. pass off the book he went from being a young-faced kind of 20-something to being an old-faced 40-something. So now he does look his age. In fact, he looks a bit older than his age, um, I would argue. Do you think playing... I, don't, I literally have no evidence that this is the case at all. But do you think playing Frank Abagnale is what got him... is like led towards him getting the Jordan Belfort role in? Or, I don't know. Because they feel was, like very similar type of he, story. He's been super famous for like a decade before he got this film. So... You know, he'd done tons yeah. of films. It was, it, was, it was that sort of con man secretly making I, loads of money. I think Scorsese just loves him. Like, yeah. That's fair, actually. Yeah, Scorsese uses him in everything. Also, um, Jordan, Jordan Belfort isn't a, like, some kind of, like, hustler who's passing checks. He's a well, fraud no, who conned but... people out of money. He's <laughs> a bad person. Yeah. And then got rewarded for it with a film that makes him look like, to some people... He was good when he was not. He's an awful person. Yeah, I, 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 I don't get those people who seem to have completely misread well, that movie. I mean, it's not the best in terms of portraying it, but I, I took it very clear that he was a bad person and that you saw the lifestyle he had and how horrible and bad and dangerous it was for him. But people seem to come off and go, that's the dream. It's like, <laughs> what, really? what dream are you having? <laughs> Did we watch the same film? <laughs> I mean, I guess being on like a boat with Margot Robbie seems like a good thing, but you know. Um, yes, so uh, Steven Spielberg is working with a number of regulars here uh, He's got his same editor, John Williams Is doing some wonderful music Which we will get into very shortly Because, you know, from the opening credits It's, uh, you know, it's it's wonderful um, You know, Janusz Kaminski, of course, is shooting the film Looks gorgeous um, Interestingly, it, this film was produced by Walter F. Parks um, uh, uh, Who is best known for he, he started out as a screenwriter um, and he was the producer of the Men in Black films. And then uh, he did earlier in the same year as this, he did Minority Report with Steven Spielberg. And along with Laurie McDonald, they were basically the main producers at DreamWorks. Um, and then they went with with Steven back to Amblin when Amblin was kind of set back up again. Um, I know them from the film War Games, where they wrote the screenplay for that. And the director's commentary with the pair of them on as well, uh, the writers, is a delight. They basically point out everything that is wrong with the film and everything that doesn't make sense in war games. <laughs> and it's really it's really funny because they're like, oh yeah, you know, you hear the computer voice when it's in his bedroom and then you hear the computer voice everywhere. But there's no way of that computer voice traveling to all these other computers. But because we've established it, you don't care. Um, and they're just really fun to kind of listen to kind of deconstructing that film. But then, you know, they went and produced tons of Oscar winning films like American Beauty and Gladiator and A Beautiful Mind and almost famous and what lies beneath i mean they're just like 
super producers. Um, you know, so it's kind of funny. They also wrote Sneakers as well, which is a film that some people also love. Those, I think, are their only two like credited screenwriting credits. After that, Sneakers, they just became producers. Sneakers is a fun movie, and and the thing is, the title doesn't really make sense until you've seen the film. Uh, and I like that about a film when you like you're like oh okay that's like you don't understand what the title means and then you see the film you're like oh the title makes complete sense now <laughs> uh, it's a clever way to get people to watch it's better films. than films when you come out of watching them and still what don't get was what, the the yeah, like, what, what was that all about <laughs> yeah um yeah there's a lot of uh extremely beautiful actresses in this film which obviously friend Amignale Jr. gets to have sex with we will discuss them as they arrive um in their various forms um and uh yeah i mean i mean you know obviously this is this this is the second steven spielberg film in 2002 he'd already done minority report and then he did this as well uh the history behind him becoming the director of this is really really interesting because so many other people signed on um apparently the the film rights for this book were sold in 1980 and <laughs> there was like tons of other people who were like attached to it um, and the rights kind of went from studio to studio to studio until they ended up at DreamWorks. And then while they were at DreamWorks, um, the film had Gore Verbinski set to direct with James Gandolfini as Carl Hanratty, Ed Harris as Frank Senior and Chloe Savini in the role of uh, Brenda Strong. Um, and then Verbinski dropped out because Leonardo DiCaprio, who was attached to it, was delayed with reshoots of Gangs of New York. <laughs> Um, Just and, I mean, Ed Harris was going to play Christopher Walken's part in this movie. Yeah, Ed, the most intense actor in the world, Harris. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, obviously, uh, he'd already he'd worked with um, you know Tom Hanks on uh, Apollo uh, thirteen. So. Thirteen, yeah. Where yeah, he plays um, an intense man. <laughs> oh, a very intense man. Uh, in fact, the guy who plays Deke in that film and who is also in that thing you do as the first manager of the band is also in this film. Uh, oh. playing an FBI agent, Chris Ellis. Uh, he's he's the one who... Uh, he's, like, uh, sitting in the front of the car when we get to that scene. Um, but, yeah, so then Lasse Hellstrom, um, former director of all the ABBA music videos, was on board to direct, and then he dropped out, and apparently Gandolfini dropped out at that point because he had to go back to filming The Sopranos. Milos Forman was then considered, and then was Cameron Crowe, and then Steven Spielberg, who at the time was about to direct both Big Fish and then Memoirs of a Geisha, he dropped out of those projects and then took this project on and started directing it in August 2001. And that's when Tom Hanks committed to being in the film as well. And then... Big Fish does... I didn't know Spielberg was down yeah, I think that, he's, but it does feel very Spielberg-y. Actually. I think he's still on that as a producer, and he's still on a Memoirs of a Geisha as a producer as well. Memoirs of a Geisha being the directorial debut of... Uh, Rob Marshall, who was previously known as an um, Tony Award-winning um, choreographer, um, he'd won like a ton of awards at the, t- the Tonys kind of in the early nineties. Um, and Memoirs of a Geisha was like his second. It was the first film he was committed to, but then he did Chicago, um, and then Nine, and then for some reason Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. And then Mary Poppins returns. Rob Marshall's career is extremely weird. Um, be fun for someone to cover that in some kind of podcast form. But yes, then eventually all the pieces you know were put together. Um, Chloe Savini dropped out and was replaced by a- Amy Adams. Uh, Chris Walken came on board. 
Um, and then, um, you know, obviously Martin Sheen was cast and, um, you know, there was a, obviously Stephen being friends with Brian De Palma, he said to Brian, do you, you know, cause he was living in Paris at the time, do you know any French actresses? And he was like, yes, I think I might know a few. And then Natalie Bay was cast from that. Um, and then S- Steven Spielberg saw Jennifer Garner on an episode of Alias and he was like, bring me Jennifer Garner. And then obviously because it's Steven Spielberg she was in the film so, <laughs> so is it just me or does do, do, do you guys also keep every time you watch it forget that jennifer garner's in this movie well even you saying it then i watched it yesterday and i was like oh jennifer garner's in this movie i'm more i think i more forget that amy adams is in it just because as you said because she disappears into the role whereas jennifer garner is jennifer garner is like jennifer I, like garner. i like yeah I, She's throwing money at him in a hotel. Except room. those few times when I think I'm watching Jennifer Garner and I'm watching Hilary Swank. Oh, oh I don't I think make... I could ever confuse those two. I was going to say I never make that mistake. Yeah, you they know? look so similar. Do you no. not? No, that's no. just me. Never the... mind. What? One of them Luke. is one of them is trained in karate, and the there other is one a... is trained in every other martial art. So that <laughs> I I, I genuinely thought that was going to be a point I was going to make that you, that you were going to be like, oh yeah, I agree. Do they? I, I am I am putting up a side by side. Yeah, I full on think they. Basically look the same. I think you might have to go to a doctor and get checked out for uh, Brad Pitt disease because um, I'm sure Brad Pitt probably mixes them up because he's got face blindness. Oh, um, uh, I, I, we all have those things. Like I am convinced Chris Maloney and Elias Cotius are the same person, and I've said this to a bunch of people, and they go, "I don't even look all that much alike." I'm like, they're the same guy. <laughs> here's here's pictures of the two of them. They're the same pe- person. No, don't look I've, at all I've, like. I've seen. I've seen Elias Cotius in too many films, and I know Chris Maloney's like head structure. So, um, but but they know. look look to me they look the same. Um, but there are a lot of people online talking about Hilary Swank and Jennifer Garner looking the same. I don't. I don't think that's. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's. Uh, a but thing. but are you in a group called Face Blindness? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's even there's hang on there's even an interview uh, on the Coco Channel of Jennifer Garner being interviewed about how she looks like. Oh, sorry, Hilary Swank being interviewed about how she gets mistaken for Jennifer Garner. So it, I'm it sure happens. there are some people who confuse so uh, Ron Howard's uh, daughter with Amy Adams, but, you know, or... Uh, or Jessica Borat's, Chastain. That's yeah, who she or gets Bo- Borat's, Borat's, Borat's wife as well with... Uh, yes, yeah, I've heard about that. I, I think I can fairly... Isla yeah. Fisher. Come on, um, Darren, can, for yeah, people tell. our age. I can, I can it's tell It's Shannon from Home and Away. I know, it's <laughs> Shannon from Home and Away. I know that. That's, yes. But, you know... Um, yeah, so, but, you know, we'll talk about the ladies as we get to them. Uh, as I said, Chris Ellis, he was Deke Slayton in uh, Apollo 13. Uh, and then he was uh, the manager in That Thing You Do before Tom Hanks took over. Another film where Tom Hanks takes a while to enter. 